Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Yeah. 
everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We usually do this show live on Friday evening, but uh, we're pre-recording this afternoon. Uh, thanks for joining me at an odd time, Councilman. As always, I'm ready to go as long as the bad baby is adequately sedated. And for right now, she's sleeping in the next room. But who, who knows? She might make an appearance before the end of the hour. So we'll see what happens. But it's, it's always great to be with you. And it's even better when it's daylight out. That way I don't have to turn on any lights and waste electricity. You know, it can all go right into the juice of hopefully powering this uh, awful, evil MacBook and all the other devices I have here. Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder, and you're the councilman. Where can you be found? Um, well, if Twitter is still there, you could find me at the underscore councilman. Um, you can also find me hanging around City Hall. I'm in San Jose. I'm usually there for one reason or another, um, even if it's just to harass uh, our elected representatives, which I've been doing a lot lately and taking the baby with me. She's going to be making an appearance in public comments soon enough too. So you'll be able, we'll be able to have a little bit bad baby clip on down ballot at one point. Very nice. Well, let's get going here. What do we have for leading off this week? Well, leading off is sort of like following up um, from last week's fallout with uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapsing, and of course, a few other banks <laughs> nationwide, but here, most uh, the most relevant uh, collapse was Silicon Valley Bank. So we're going to learn a little bit more about what that fallout means and what the collapse of that bank means uh, for the local tech industry and the local startup industry. Um, and uh, I think ABC7 News has the story. To developing news, U.S. tech and finance sectors are calling on the federal government to work out a solution for the failed Silicon Valley Bank. The bank was known for helping early-stage startups. ABC7 News reporter Unser Hassan explains there is also fear that many of these Silicon Valley startups risk collapse if they lose their money. Mahmoud Pajwani, chairman of Infinism, says his company can't make payroll. All our cash was at uh, SVB. We have no other recourse. There is no payroll for Monday. The company provides automation software for the chip industry. Pajwani says even before this company, he's been working with Silicon Valley Bank since the 1980s. And the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is only guaranteeing $250,000. We have millions. Are we, we are going to be just shut down if this is not resolved. Silicon Valley Bank has been funding Silicon Valley innovation for decades. With a total valuation of more than $200 billion, the bank collapsed on Friday after running out of money, taking a huge loss in its bond portfolio and with venture capital drying up. I don't want to name specific countries, but boy, oh boy, if we don't fix this right now, we would have given our competitors overseas a gift by stopping us right now. This is a seismic shock into the Bay Area economy. If all of these companies are limited to the deposit insurance limits of $250,000, you're going to see a collapse of a generation of startups here in Silicon Valley. Corey Johnson is the host of the Drill Down podcast and managing member of Epistrophe Capital. He says the FDIC has tremendous powers to come up with emergency solutions. He says it's actively trying to sell pieces of the bank's business this weekend in the hopes of generating liquidity so companies can get their deposits out. But Johnson says the FDIC has to tread carefully. And I think it's hard to get a national consensus around rescuing Silicon Valley and Californians. The East Coast media is blaming technology and crypto. People in the middle of the country are mad at the wealth that they perceive that Californians took all this risk with their Silicon Valley bank. Johnson adds there's still the potential of an even greater risk if the contagion spreads to other regional or smaller banks come Monday. I trust that Governor Newsom and that Janet Yellen and the FDIC and the White House can recognize what a big problem this could be 
and we'll step in with the right solutions. In Silicon Valley, Ansar Hassan, ABC 7 News. Um, Thoughts, Producer Dave? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think, like, the, you know, they should backstop payroll, certainly. Um, but beyond that, I don't know, like, if you're put, if you're like an individual and you're putting more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in any like bank account where it's just sitting there as cash or whatever, mm-hmm. then you know you get what you get. Um, yeah, and you're and you're more than likely doing pretty well <laughs> if you have that kind of liquidity anyway, or like not liquidity, but if you have that kind of wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not to have that sitting there. I'm not uh, playing a violin for you if you all you can recover out of this personally is two hundred fifty grand. All right. Well, speaking of which, um, looks like. You know, sort of the rank and file Silicon Valley Bank uh, depositors, or, or should we say, members, <laughs> clients, uh, lined up uh, to try to get some of their hard-earned dollars out uh, recently too. So it's affecting not just obviously startups and big uh, VC and tech folks, but also uh, mom and pop. This is NBC Bay Area with the story. Thousands of people and hundreds of companies, big and small. This was a near disaster, but this story is far from over. People actually started lining up this morning before 7 o'clock, hoping to get their money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Our, our business and tech reporter, Scott Budman, joins us now with the latest story of this bank. But this is an ongoing operation. This is a new bridge bank. Everything is safe and secure. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation arrived at Silicon Valley Bank headquarters with advice and donuts, telling nervous depositors in line they'll get their money back from the seized bank. And they did after a nail-biting weekend. Big relief, I guess. Oh, yeah, it was a big surprise because, I mean, you know, a bank is in for 25 years and they were probably in for more than that, but that's how long I was with them and uh, for this day. And all I got was this stinking donut. The bank was seized by the feds last week after a two-day free fall sparked by investor panic. Today, account holders filed in two by two, many of them grateful startup CEOs who say the money they got out today means they can now make payroll. We hope to uh, have the money uh, as close as it can be to somewhere where we feel a little safer about it um, and learn a bit more about exactly what's going on because uh, things are moving very, very quickly. Safety was a theme here. One finance CEO told us her advice is don't keep all your eggs in one bank's basket. I mean, one, obviously, diversification is something that I think everyone is going to be looking at coming out of this, not keeping all of your money in one bank. She also says she is confident that in the future, venture capital money and startup money will have a relationship with banks here in Silicon Valley. By the way, the bank will reopen to give out more deposits tomorrow at 9 a.m., but the FDIC says you don't have to come here physically. You can go on to their website. It was a bit glitchy today. They say it should work more smoothly tomorrow. Live in Santa Clara, Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. Looks like everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, if they can create, like they said in the previous story, if they can create if the feds can create enough liquidity for the bank, as they say, and, 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 you know, generate enough cash flow that they can, you know, cash out these folks. And at least like you said, back, back, uh, fill payroll. Um, that would be great if we can make everyone whole, that'd be amazing, but I doubt that's going to happen. And like you said, you, you get what you get. Um, that's, that's the, the bargain in our capitalist society. Well, you know, it, the people who showed up there got their money out. So 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a good thing. Um, ben Sand got his money out. It looks like. Um, so, so anyway, uh, moving on to winners and losers. Uh, some folks who don't have any money left. It looks like it's the Catholic Diocese of Oakland. <laughs> so, uh, I guess they're facing so many lawsuits that they just can't afford to pay them all. Right. They can't the even afford chapter eleven. They can't even afford for this video to run. Seriously, what's going on here? ABC Seven. No, they were. Oh, I, I saw it briefly. We'll try again here. Let's see. Uh, these 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 web players for for uh, for local news sites are just terrible. So, <clears throat> do you know what happened with this story? Because we're not we're not going to get this uh, local news hit to go. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'm sure somewhere. But um, it uh, basically long story short, everyone is well aware of this. This is something that got put in the chat actually. So uh, shout out to the. Or, uh, shout out to the Discord. Sorry, the Discord. Uh, Bay Area News, if you're in that channel, drop some links for us. We love to post them. We'll, we'll definitely cover anything you drop because, um, you know, we get good stories, but they're rare. So please continue to drop them in there. Um, long, long and short of it is, uh, obviously the Catholic Church is dealing with a v huge uh, flow of uh, uh, allegations and lawsuits pertaining to sexual abuse and other kinds of abuse, um, particularly in light of recent laws that have allowed, sort of extended the um, statute of limitations, right, on when you, how long uh, you can go before filing charges or before pressing charges. Um, and now it's pretty much indefinite um, out of respect to the victims who may not want, you know, at the time of the abuse come forward, right, or be or feel comfortable or safe coming forward. Um, so, uh, or even want to come forward at the time. Um, so uh, this new law is generating... Uh, quite a few more lawsuits than normal and it's putting a stress on the coffers at the local diocese uh, not just in oakland but in santa rosa apparently their diocese is also filing for bankruptcy um so we can get video for it uh of it for next week um but uh long again uh it's a, another example of uh winners and losers and they're just mostly losers unfortunately because even the victims obviously even if they're getting paid off are losers and in, in, in a way yeah, they, they well, they're they not, not they're, they don't win. They're not losers. They didn't win. Basically. Right? They 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 got a they got uh, God dealt them a bad hand or at least Correct. a bad church. Yes. Um. So hopefully we can fix both of these things. They can be made nope. whole in financial way, but also the so their souls and the church's soul can be redeemed in some way. Do you know what happens when a church goes bankrupt? Do the, does the church just cease to exist or? It's, you know, I don't know that it ever has, I mean, this is, this, there's bankrupt in terms of like just closing the doors and then there's chapter 11 bankruptcy and these other types of like bankruptcy is very strange, right? You, you're, you're kind of basically declaring bankruptcy. You're declaring that you can't uh, meet your debts, right? Um, but you're also not necessarily shutting the door. You're just sort of declaring that and then you work with, I guess, the IRS or whoever it is, the powers that be, to figure out a plan for either how you're going to get back to solvency, right, and pay off your debts or, um, uh, you know, or close, right, foreclose. Um, so it's not necessarily the end. Um, and I'm guessing it's the Catholic Church, so they'll figure, I'm sure they're going to figure a way to cut back from it. Um, this might just be a way of uh, financially avoiding, you know, ultimate ruin right and staving things off at the pass as it were um that's generally what i hear I, I don't know much about it but that's what i hear chapter 11 bankruptcy is all about and it's just stopping the bleeding and trying to you know hit bottoms so that you can rebuild so we'll see we'll obviously get some video on this we'll follow up on it if it's the second diocese locally that's had this problem i'm sure there will be more the santa clara diocese or santa clara county or san jose diocese has been uh, experiencing a similar amount 
of uh, of complaints. So I know they're all stressed out right now. As a Catholic, it's it, it's for at least someone who's raised Catholic. It's very disturbing, um, but it's not surprising. Well, you know, uh, I think that the the big Catholic Church does have the money to bail this out, bail these people out. I feel like the Pope probably has a golden cross worth ten million dollars just sitting like on his nightstand or something, right? Well, I've I, yeah, I've the good wife and I toured the Vatican a couple years back, and the yeah, the amount of antiquities and and you know relics and other materials that are stowed away there is just phenomenal and amazing and i can't it's like priceless they're just billions of dollars worth of stuff um just everywhere so yeah and granted the new the current pope um is very progressive right comes i believe comes from a jesuit background which helps a lot but uh you know it 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 he not you know still the catholic church right he's he's still i probably on the if you look at things on a conservative liberal you know sliding scale he's certainly more towards the conservative side um but there's opportunity there so hopefully we um we can get some progress in the church because at least for the billion or so people in the world who are catholic um hopefully we can get some you know move the ball down the road a little bit and get some some get our souls cleansed that's what jesus would want so our next story is about the ongoing power outages i had the power go out for over 24 hours. E. Uh, and then it went down yesterday, but it only went down for 20 minutes or a half an hour. So we e. were able to, luckily the power outage was on a day that there wasn't a show. We didn't have any real interruption in shows though, you know, without power, I can't do things like release podcasts mm. because, uh, you know, I could theoretically do it on a laptop, but then the, the, the data of the recording isn't on a laptop and desktop computers don't have a, a battery, so you can't just turn them on. So it did kind of slow everything down for us, but uh, it turns out it's not just me and maybe I'm not the most important person in the world. Apparently, uh, the I think it was the windstorm uh, took out power for a bunch of Bay Area schools. It seems as though it did. And uh, now some schools are coming back even without power because you got to educate the kids. Right now at 11, the strong winds may be gone, but the impact of the powerful gusts lingers where students are out of school today because of the ongoing power outages in the major districts where they're hitting the books anyway. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday. I'm Gia Vang. Laura Garcia is off. And I'm Marcus Washington. A reminder for you, you can watch us live on Roku, Zumo, and online. Well, at noon, Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to survey storm damage areas in Monterey County. Meanwhile, there are still many people dealing with no power at their home here in the Bay Area. That's right. PG&E says nearly 155,000 of its customers remain in the dark due to the strong and powerful winds. That is down from 167,000 earlier this morning. Most of the outages are in the South Bay. If you look at this map, that area has more than 83,000 customers with no power. The peninsula has more than 40,000 outages. East Bay, more than 29,000. The remaining outages are scattered through the North Bay and in San Francisco. PG&E is expected to deliver an update at noon about their power restoration efforts, but some students, they are being forced to go to school with no electricity. NBC Bay Area's Chris Sanchez picks up the story from there. And Chris, some of those schools taking a break, but some of those not so much. 
You know, one of our biggest school districts is San Jose Unified, about 30,000 students in the South Bay, and they said they were going to open up campuses whether or not they had power. One of those campuses is Simons Elementary School here behind me, and the principal tells me that it's really half about learning continuation and half about supporting families as well. They want to make sure that families have somewhere to go. So teachers are going old school. They're working without technology. And come lunchtime, students will get lunches that can be served cold. The principal says the attendance is pretty good today. Only the children who are sick stayed home and parents are grateful. This is the safest place for kids to be. Families still have to go to work even though we don't have power. So we want to make sure that our kids have a safe place to be and this is it. It does get a little crazy and you got to work and all that. Imagine talking to a customer, mom, so-and-so hit me, mom, like every few seconds. So I think it's wonderful. Now, some districts did opt to cancel classes for today, including Campbell Union, which closed Forest Hill and Marshall Lane Elementary Schools, Campbell Union High School District, which closed Prospect and Westmont, Fremont Union High School closed several campuses, including Fremont, Lindbrook, and Monte Vista High School. Cupertino Union was pretty hard hit. They closed 16 middle and elementary schools, and De Anza College canceled all classes. Now, all of these campuses are supposed to reopen tomorrow, but if they don't, parents say they're going to to continue getting creative. We brought our lanterns and flashlights and we did our art project with the first graders and they had a really great time. What's the mood in there? Oh, they're it's like camping. They're excited. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media. School kids might have been excited, but I have high schoolers, and they're have, they have state testing. Fortunately, they do have power at their school, but if they had not had power, that state testing would have just been pushed back because they test on computers, and without power, you can't have the computers. So all of the uh, power is supposed to be restored soon, although some people are getting notifications when they check that they will be out without power until Friday. The principal here says... If they have no power until Friday, they'll keep doing what they're doing, uh, bundling the kids up, getting some fresh air, having cold lunches, and uh, teaching the old school way. In San Jose, Chris Sanchez, NBC Bay Area News. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the younger kids probably love it, right? Yeah, it's it, for them, like, old school is like whatever. It's just a new experience, right? They're still so new to this stuff that, you know, it, there's not a huge frame of reference, right? Um, it's different for sure. I'm sure for them, but, uh, yeah, it's probably fun, like camping, right? Um, teachers, it's probably frustrating, especially the ones who are younger and who've been trained on all the, the new tools and technology. Um, and you know, using a chalkboard is kind of foreign to them, right? Um, or story time maybe. So, uh, but no, I, I trust our teachers. They're very well uh, trained and they know what they're doing. I did have, I do have to make one comment about the parents in this, in this, uh, piece as I always must, because I just love parents. And now as a parent myself, I've vowed not to become one of these folks that you just saw in the, in the clip. There were two parents that they interviewed and both of them, I don't think either one of them talked about how great this was for the education of their child, that they can continue to get educated um, the school is willing to open up without power and the teachers are working very hard to educate their child and get their child what they need in terms of that kind of sustenance, right? Um, no, they both talked about, oh, thank God, now I can get shit done because you're, yep. you're taking care of my fucking kid. It was more oh. of a daycare situation than a... Yeah, ex than exactly. A, and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I mean, I can understand the parents' frustration. If they're trying to work from home and maybe their power's off and they're trying to 
figure out ways to make work from home work for them without power. Yeah. And then the kids are bored because there's nothing to, you know, I mean, I can understand the frustration, but yeah. maybe, maybe lead with thanking the people who are <laughs> right. working, also working in a frustrating situation <laughs> with 30 of your kids or more. Yeah. And then be like, and also working from home is hard enough. Our power has been spotty and the kids would have been very, yeah. you know, you go, the kids would have been bored or the, you know, it's, it's good that the kids are in school because you know, you, but yeah, lead with, lead with thanking the people. My God. Yeah. I like, I only wish I could, you know, and, uh, help uh, be more present. Right. Because I've got, you know, and like I said, I, I work from home too, right. I'm a work from home parent. So I get it completely. It's definitely a factor, right? Like I want to, I need my time to, to get stuff done or to record a podcast or a, uh, to go on a, a stream. So, uh, I totally get it, but yeah, lead, you're right. <laughs> lead with the thanks, lead with your child. Um, cause they are frankly the most important thing. If there's nothing, if there's anything I've learned in the, my seven months of fatherhood, that's what I would impart to people is that the child comes first. So speaking of children, we got another story. Uh, Peninsula school district is apparently suing TikTok, YouTube, and Snapchat. This, this one's going to, this is going to be interesting. This is, this is a lot of the things that we talk about all in one story. And it's not Palo Alto. Amazingly enough. Students like Savannah Ariola say they use social media for good things, like staying in touch with friends. I get to see like what they're doing and kind of feel like I'm a part of their life that way and just share what I'm doing. But they also admit that scrolling can get addictive. Definitely track my screen time now. It's, it's pretty appalling. The San Mateo County Board of Education is concerned enough to file a lawsuit claiming TikTok, YouTube, and Snapchat are addictive and damaging to the mental health of many students. No one gets off the hook for the health and well-being of our young people. Superintendent of Schools Nancy McGee says the lawsuit, filed by Kachet, Petrie, and McCarthy of Burlingame, says the addiction comes from algorithms that can be damaging to students and has led to suicidal behavior and depression. And when we try to work with social media companies to remove content um that could be directly harming a child it's very difficult one social media watcher says the problem is content and chaotic content leads to profits you can lower the temperature of the of the algorithm if you want but if you do that if you have less interesting contents you're going to have less people going to that website you're going to have less advertisements less money another concern the young people flat out love it it's addicting you could say but Kind of a good way. You know, I look at like, I just look at funny pictures of cats, but like <laughs> that brings you joy. I read TikTok, Google, and Snapchat each declined to comment directly on the lawsuit, but they say they have built in products to decrease screen time, allow parents to more easily monitor what their kids are watching, and they say they're working with mental health advocates to try and improve their products. Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. I don't think that the <clears throat> social media companies are really doing the thing they said they were doing at the end there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I believe that they're doing something in that realm or they're doing something that might ostensibly on the surface do something good. But yeah, as far as investing time, investing resources, investing people power in solving this i don't think that they really have have an interest in it really why would uh, they creating a, yeah creating an addictive product 
Um, it's like the cigarette industry, like you know, the, the tobacco industry. You think that they, you know, just jumped for joy when uh, something when someone said, "Oh, you're," you know, uh, you're, or they jumped to, uh, to attention when someone said, "Oh, you're 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 killing our people. You're killing America." Right? They're like, "Oh, so super sorry about that. We'll do everything we can to take that harmful crap out of there and not kill people." No, of course not. It took like it's still taken many, many decades, right, for, for us to extricate ourselves from that and to get or extricate something out of that industry. So, uh, yeah, it's not in their best interest to do it. And it's exemplified by, like, you know, Twitter even right now, you know, is desperate to make sure that they retain, you know, legitimate accounts, right? I get emails up the ass uh, when I don't pay attention to one of my accounts. I get all sorts of automated emails like, so-and-so is tweeting, so-and-so is tweeting, so-and-so is tweeting. And it's like, come back to the site, right? Come back to the product, come back to the the, the, the home, the home base. So, they are, yeah, they're desperate to get you to keep checking in, right? Are some of those just for accounts that are dormant because the project that they were on is over or whatever? Mm -hmm. the, the emails you're getting yeah oh yeah we very much so like uh or it could manage any accounts right like i have a personal account a professional account client accounts and yeah some clients just we don't do a whole lot or like my band for example right we still have a twitter account it's out there um but uh we don't really tweet because we have nothing to talk about <laughs> but we get emails and then notifications all the time and that's the majority of the notifications we get now are like on accounts that are rarely used and it's just telling me something that happened on Twitter, right? News or Elon Musk said this or, you know, whatever, like it just highlights, right? Just trying to get you to come back and feed the beast. Um, so occasionally I just go in and honestly like retweet something or tweet something. Just, I, I, I totally succumb to the, the, the tool because I just want them to stop emailing me for a couple, at least a couple of days. But uh, this lawsuit, like, I think it's going nowhere. I think that, you know, it's a noble, oh, yeah, it's a noble idea. But I There's think to go. I think it's going nowhere. It's a uh, you know yeah. the only place in which David really ever beats Goliath is that story in the Bible. So yeah, and the school district doesn't really even have the standing, frankly. I I think to be honest with you, um, to to sue on at least on the grounds that they're suing the, the students would, the parents would, the families would. But I don't think the, the district has the standing to sue on behalf of their students in this way. If it's addictive, it's a if it's a if it's a poison, right? The person who's being poisoned has to should have to file the suit yeah or or that like uh, a class of the, the parents there would be a class right. action from Correct. the parents and the school district could join that class right they could right. join that 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 suit um but anyway uh yeah i, I agree this is not going anywhere it's, it makes for a great story right it gets them out there uh, it gets that superintendent out there um regardless of what they want to do in the future with their careers but puts them out in front and center on this issue yeah and all it does like it just kind of serves to annoy the legal departments of these companies and yeah, right. That's not a, you know, not a great thing. Not a great thing to be doing is annoying the legal departments of giant companies. Yeah, TikTok unleashes the hounds, right? Right. They're like, oh, you thought that? Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna check the, we're gonna check your location, and uh, we're gonna turn up the temperature of the algorithm where you're at. <laughs> so it's a hot algorithm. So the the winds, basically, the wind caused a lot of problems, and apparently, it was knocking windows off of a building in San Francisco. Yeah, and it wasn't Millennium Tower. Imagine that. Yeah, the, the glass is stuck to that thing pretty good, I guess. This is an older building, actually, so, but uh, still dangerous nonetheless. 
Well, today's whipping winds created a hazardous situation in San Francisco's financial district. Two panes of glass crashed down from the office tower at 555 California Street. KTVU's Jenna Katsuyama is there live tonight. Jenna, the threat of broken glass prompted an evacuation and a shelter-in-place order. There was a shelter-in-place order, uh, Julie, and you can see right here the, the tape that's still here. They just reopened California and Kearney in about the past 35 minutes. They said that they talked to the building managers here at 555 California. They said that they inspected all of the windows and deemed that everything was safe. But certainly it was a scary sight and just part of the damage we saw throughout the city and in the North Bay today. As wind gusts blasted through San Francisco Tuesday afternoon, a shocking sight. An office worker took video of glass falling from the high-rise at 555 California. More's falling. Large pieces crashing down. It's glass. San Francisco fire officials immediately issued a shelter-in-place order around 2 p.m., concerned that severe wind gusts might cause more glass to fall from that spot on the 43rd floor. What we do know is that one window did break out of its frame and it did fall to the ground and another one is cracked. This is something that is unusual, but we're also experiencing highly unusual weather. Shards of glass covered Kearney and California streets. One man said glass fell onto his car. San Francisco fire officials say no one was injured. The howling winds brought trees down and caused damage throughout the city. On Mission Street near South Van Ness, a tree fell into muni lines and a car. The person inside was trapped until crews could de-energize the line and begin removing the trunk. Part of Mission Street was closed for hours as they repaired the damaged equipment. Across town at the Panhandle near Golden Gate Park, wind took down a massive tree overnight, bringing it crashing down onto cars parked on the street. I think three out of the four lanes of traffic were completely blocked. It looked like there were about four cars underneath. In Millbrae, a tree toppled onto 280, forcing lane closures as crews had to bring in heavy equipment to clear the road. And to the north, the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge was shut down for hours. Strong gusts caused a big rig to topple over, blocking traffic, while another car and trailer also fell over. The CHP had to divert traffic off the bridge until the winds died down so they can pull the vehicles back upright. In Corte Madera, officials shut down Casa Buena Drive um, after an official saw trees no. dangerously leaning over the road. Yeah. Jim Cairns arrived to shore them up when they suddenly crashed. Wow. <laughs> trees are like a, a wine glass. The soil covers the, the roots like, a, like the flare of a wine glass. And when that turns to liquid, there's, there's really nothing to hold the, the tree up. And back here live at 555 California, fire officials say that the building management said there was some construction going on up on that 43rd floor, but they do not believe that that uh, was the reason for the window breaking. They did say that other buildings uh, around the area also checked their windows for safety, and they deemed that it was okay to reopen the roads tonight. Julie? Jana Katsuyama reporting live for us tonight in San Francisco. Jana, thank you. That's crazy. Yeah, so I like how they don't think that the construction had anything to do with it, but it's like, did windows fall off of any other floors that weren't having construction? <laughs> like, you know, it's process of elimination, folks. Um, let's not rule anything out until you've ruled it out. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, watch for falling glass, I guess, in San Francisco if you're walking downtown and it's fucking windy out. I mean, those are big windows, dude. You, you, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm not sure that, like, 
you would have the the ability as a person to even see it as it happens. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're just walking down the street, you're not going to see it. It's it's not making any noise. Yeah, no one's looking up like that anyway, right? And especially if it's windy, you're already like gusts of wind in your ear, right? You can't hear shit anyway. So, and no one's looking up in that situation. They're usually looking down, right? Trying to keep the wind out of your eyes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you just get smacked right in the dome. You'd be done. That, that would It'd be over. <laughs> that, that would be you, the end of you. It's not smacked in the dome. You'd be, you'd, yeah. that'd be it. That'd be it for yeah, you. That would be it. Splish, squish, basically. Um, so, yeah, watch out for falling. Maybe pick your head up in downtown San Francisco nowadays and watch for falling glass, especially around Millennium Tower. You never know. So this next story is, I put it on Same. here. It's, it's a little darker than the stuff we usually cover. So, you know, this is, yeah. involves, um, involves uh, uh, mental health crisis uh, people dying on a, on a bridge I I don't know I guess we're just gonna have to let the news um, cover this and, and see what happened here we'll see if it plays Zach sauce is out there to tell us a little bit more about what happened there you are Zach uh, Zach I want to ask you a question before you start that toll plaza there looks pretty slow even in those carpool lanes uh is it slow yeah i mean you would expect the toll plaza to be backed up on any day around this hour but what you can't see from this angle is just the insane line that just really really extends uh seemingly for for miles down that way uh beyond me so yeah incredibly backed up right now Okay. <laughs> and basically, we mentioned what, what caused all of this. Earlier this morning, uh, actually all night long, police negotiating with a person who was suffering a mental health crisis on the bridge. Uh, they, they managed to talk that person off of the bridge uh, about two hours ago and put him in an ambulance. And uh, he's now getting a mental health evaluation but again all this starting around 10 p.m last night the highway patrol closing several lanes as they tried to talk that person off the bridge and because of that traffic yeah. began quickly backing up triggering a crash around 11:30, involving a big rig and a dodge charger near the on-ramp at treasure island that dodge charger rear-ending the truck and the aftermath of all that captured by this tesla driver cam Two people killed inside that car for several hours. All lines, all lanes rather, uh, along the bridge shut down as crews worked to clear that wreck. And while police continue to negotiate with that person having a mental health crisis, but again, police have now removed that person from the bridge. All lanes back open here. But the residual traffic that we're seeing, that will probably continue for quite some time going westbound onto the Bay Bridge. For now, we're live in Oakland. Zach Sauce, KTVU, Fox Two News. Zach- that was a, a also that was like a, a sad story, like the whole thing, but also like the news. It seemed like they were ill prepared. Something, something was, yeah, something was hinky there. Or yeah, he just uh, did, didn't quite know that he was still on the hook for for continuing the story. There's a line in there that I put in the docket, um, but uh, you know, the the crisis, you know. Uh, could not be averted before the morning commute was impacted. And it's like, okay, so one, two people died. Um, two, another person had a mental health crisis. And hey, kudos to the police. Like, the guy must have been white. 
um, because they they got him off the bridge without killing him. So kudos to them. Um, but apparently the whole crisis resulted in a couple other unfortunate deaths. So yeah, the, I'm sorry about the morning commute. Yeah, I'm really I'm really sorry. <laughs> but you know that's that's them's the breaks. I'm pretty sure your boss is going to understand once they watch the news. Right. You should have taken Bart. Correct. Ding. Where's my bell? I I don't want to ring the bell because baby will wake up. But ding. <laughs> anyway, um, well, speaking of police um, and and reimagining policing, uh, apparently there was a forum on improving policing, and San Jose police were. Although it looks like well, maybe that's not a San Jose police officer. Anyway, sounds like San Jose police were not uh, present. And South Bay law enforcement officials gathered in San Jose tonight to talk about policing and ways to better serve the community, especially communities of color. KTVU South Bay reporter LaMonica Peters live now in San Jose with more on that discussion and some solutions proposed at tonight's meeting. LaMonica. Community members raise concerns about de-escalation practices, police brutality, and police response to mental health crises. Now the panel consisted of both advocates and law enforcement who all say they're committed to making the community safer for everyone. Our community doesn't want safety that comes at the expense of black lives. A community forum entitled De-Escalate, a conversation about public safety, was held Wednesday night in downtown San Jose. Our community does not want safety that comes at the expense of brown lives and immigrant lives and foster youth and the lives of people with disabilities. It is a very high cost to pay. Advocates Darcy Green and Derek Sanderlin sat on the panel along with the chief of police for the city of Santa Clara, Pat Nikolai, and newly elected Santa Clara County Sheriff Bob Johnson. So part of the transition, and we'll be coming out with a 100-day report, actually, in the very near future. Uh, by the end of the month, hopefully, we'll have that completed, really outlining what we've accomplished in those first 100 days during this transition. But to the question that you posed, I think it's really important in build, rebuilding that trust with the community. Questions were submitted in advance from the community, and the moderator from San Jose Spotlight asked about the impact of police brutality caught on video. I think that we are deeply overwhelmed um, and if we continue to watch, uh, we have to consider the psychological harm that comes to us. As issues of police brutality and police shootings were discussed, some solutions were also proposed, including decriminalizing homelessness, sustained investment in community building, and de-escalation training. Still, the panelists agree that our society overall has become more violent, threatening everyone's safety. You see violent images, and it's not just police, it is across the board. And that's why in my career, I've seen lately more horrific, violent crimes by younger and younger members of society. And so that does worry me, I agree. Now, just last month, San Jose police received a failing grade from Sacred Heart, an advocacy group here in San Jose. Both the, the police chief here in San Jose and San Jose's Police Officers Association were invited to be a part of this panel, but they weren't there tonight. We reached out to both of them, and they didn't respond in time for this report. Julie? Well, Monica Peters, live in San Jose tonight. Thank you. Well, San you, Was San Jose just like sour grapes because of their F grade, do you think? That's why they didn't show nah. up. 
I mean, nah, yeah, nah. It's like they they know the score with Spotlight and you know Derek and Sacred Heart, right? They they know that that's not really a room for them. And you know, the Santa Clara Police Chief is probably in a safe space going there, right? Because kind of nothing happens in Santa Clara, right? So no one really has any beef with him, even though he's just another white male police chief. Um, and then Bob Johnson is just hoping that they spell his name right in the Chiron and they don't. <laughs> so so poo -poo, too bad for the new sheriff. Um, but yeah, so the, it's a bit of like not sour grapes so much as like they know they're, they know it's not their audience anyway. So it's no, they're not going to lose any face, right. With anyone that, that supports them by, or could support them by not attending. Right. And they're not going to make any friends by attending anyway, either. Cause they'll just get, if they, or at least they feel they'll, they'll get attacked or they'll be under the microscope. Right. And it won't be about a, a dialogue. Right even though it should be right. It's spotlight. It's, it's professional. It's, it's journalism. So it should be, and it probably would have been, um, friendly. They wouldn't have, I don't think they would have done any sort of gotcha shit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that they weren't there or it could have just been scheduling, but the fact that they didn't respond at all is kind of to the news, uh, inquiry is kind of surprising or not surprising, but it says, it says a lot. I mean, San Jose is the biggest city in this, this valley. That's the San Jose, like nobody from them showing it's, up sort of leaves like, Leaves a, a big whole. part of the leaves a big part of the conversation uh, unhad. Yeah, I mean San Jose is half of the count the Santa Clara County in terms of the population and geographic um, area. So it's yeah, without San Jose in the picture, nothing gets done really in Santa Clara County. And yet, you know, all the other fourteen cities constantly rail about San Jose having too big of a slice of a pie or too big of a voice in decision making, like around VTA, right? Like the transportation and other regional issues. But the fact of the matter is the city, yeah, it's city represents half of the county. So um, they should, we should have a fair share of the pie. Um, and we should be able to have a, a, a large voice in, in this conversation. Um, but they just chose not to hear. Um, I will point out uh, the city council also got pretty much all F grades from the uh, Sacred Heart, except for one council member who'd recently turned out, council member Perales, maybe it was favoritism. He was, he's a cop, who knows? or was a cop, um, but he got a D or D minus. They said, they said, we give you credit because he actually proposed some reforms and proposed uh, and helped to shepherd along some of the reform uh, proposals. So kudos to him. He didn't get an F, but didn't get a passing grade either. Well, we're moving on to get your shit together. And this is uh, the state of California is uh, proposing to remake the San Quentin prison, emphasizing rehab. This is one of those, uh, I'll fucking believe it when I see it stories. Let's see. Let's see how KTVU Fox 2 News covers it. Prison will no longer house inmates on death row. Governor Newsom plans to transform San Quentin into a prison that focuses more on rehabilitation. KTV's Ali Rasmus joining us now with some of the changes the governor has planned. Good morning. Good morning. Well, some of those changes mean that all current death row inmates at San Quentin will be moved to other prisons in the state. Many of them already have. And in the future, San Quentin will no longer be a maximum security facility. Governor Newsom says he wants this prison instead to become the largest education, job training, and rehabilitation facility in the state. Now, we don't know the timeline or how quickly this will happen, but some of the prison's more dangerous inmates have already been moved to other prisons across the state. The governor wants San Quentin to follow a prison model used in Norway, which focuses on preparing people to return to society when their sentence is up by training them for jobs and teaching them how to live on their own. Norway has one of the lowest recidivism rates. About three out of every four people incarcerated there 
don't end up in prison again. The governor set aside $20 million in his recent state budget to pay for this transformation. States like Oregon and even North Dakota have recently enacted similar reforms in some of their state prisons. The governor announced this change as part of his four-day tour across the state. He will be in Marin County later this morning to talk about the plan to change the focus of San Quentin Prison. Dave and Pam, back yeah yeah as soon as like if they implement this as soon as like people find out what's going on that these people aren't being punished there or that the primary goal isn't punishment like the the tough on crowd people are going to lose their fucking minds true but we are in california and california is becoming more and more and more progressive every single day so that 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 once vocal majority is now a vocal minority um so i think you know newsom and others are making educated uh, political uh, assumptions here that uh, that they're going to be okay, that there's going to be more people that support this than don't, right? Um, so I think the tough on crime folks will obviously not like this. Someone like me loves this. Um, I have a, a, a relative in the California penal system. They have stayed at San Quentin. Um, it is not a very pleasant place, um, regardless of why you're there or how they're treating you or what their focus is. If uh, our entire penal system were focused on rehabilitation, true rehabilitation and true, truly ending recidivism and, and ending the, the schools to prison pipeline and ending the prison to prison pipeline, then uh, you know, we would make a much larger investment than this, right? It wouldn't just be a pilot project in San Quentin. We would have this through, this should be happening throughout the system. There's no need for a pilot project. We know it's, it's very well known what will solve these issues or what could solve these issues and what are the most effective things to solving these issues. And we're just not doing them or investing in them in a substantial way. So this is a good start, but like you, I will believe it when I see it. And uh, yeah, who, that's everything I said being true. The the vocal minority also has a lot of money and lobbyists. So and they can make a lot of noise in Sacramento, even for folks who don't necessarily agree with them. Just trying to even get the staff that's there, <clears throat> maybe to change their mindset is going to be mm. uh, pretty challenging. I think. I think a lot of the the guards or whatever yeah. are used to like like this authoritarian sort of like way of doing things and sure i mean like whatever even if they you know even if they change to this model sure the book in the prison the people who run the prison are still in charge but you know the maybe just the tone and like the way that everybody's talking to everybody and stuff that's all gonna have to change or otherwise the what they're doing is just going to be window dressing because if you're still being treated like shit by the people who are you're interfacing with because that's how the, that's how they know the job because you know these things do have inertia then yeah. you know then it's just going to be like photo you're going to feel like you're a photo op and then that, yeah. you're not going to be very happy you know you're not going to be very depends, happy depends how they roll it out right there's going to be people like like you said there's going to be plenty of resistance there's going to be wardens and guards and people who've been involved in the system for a very long time and have gotten used to doing things of same way for a very long time and maybe even got into the system because they do things that way right um and then there's folks who i'm guessing have been in the system for a long time and have seen the problems and genuinely want to change and want to, to see it evolve maybe don't have the power to do it um so hopefully the governor coming in can give them that cover can give them that power to change um and but it's really not going to happen unless he's willing to and we're willing to like make the heads roll like if you don't want to get on board with this new mentality right then we don't have any need for you in our system, right? We need people who are, we need leaders who are on board with it, who believe in it, who believe that we can, we can rehabilitate people. Um, and if you don't believe that, then you probably want to find some other kind of work and force them out. But that's really hard, right? Public employees, especially with tenure and all those other things, right? So 
we shall see. Like you said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it like we do in Down Valley. But California is trying to get its shit together. So I wanted to celebrate that this week. Yep. I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 20 million doesn't seem like a whole lot of money considering the, Not in the massive scale of San Quentin prison. But maybe, yes. <clears throat> well, maybe more is forthcoming. Prison system. Yeah, the prison system itself is like billions and billions of billions of dollars so it's it's a it's a huge complex system um and 20 million is a drop in the bucket so we're going to move down to down ballot it's been a little bit of a slower week in local politics but it does look like uh some tiny homes are or are not <laughs> coming to san jose um i'm not hopeful uh, we have a lot of uh ktvu fox 2 this week so let's see what let's see what their spin is on this Governor Newsom kicked off his tour of the state today, focusing on an issue that has challenged California for many years. That would be homelessness. Ian Newsom wants to see a 15 percent reduction in the state's homelessness numbers by 2025. And to help do that, he's offering more funding and using tiny homes. Our political reporter, Greg Lee, joining us now to explain this latest effort. Yeah, guys, the governor said the state needs to provide more options, and this is one of them. He said California has made some progress in this space, but more needs to be done. The state plans to spend about $30 million on these 1,200 tiny homes and hopes to have them ready by the fall. New energy demands new expectations, new results. Standing in front of several tiny homes, Governor Newsom announced his latest effort to tackle the state's homelessness crisis. Newsom is enlisting the National Guard to build and deliver 1,200 tiny homes around the state to serve as interim housing. When that individual is ready, that we have a place to go or at least another option in terms of the alternatives to living out in the streets and sidewalks. Local governments will own the homes and be in charge of placing residents. San Jose will receive 200, Los Angeles 500, 350 to Sacramento, and 150 to San Diego County. Newsom spoke from Sacramento, the first stop on his four-city tour, replacing a traditional state-of-the-state state address. According to 2022 federal data, California has the highest rate of homelessness in the country. How angry we are as Californians about what's going on on the streets and sidewalks in our state and what's not happening to address with the kind of well, urgency uh, that is required. Newsom also announced California will open up another $1 billion to local governments. Last year, funding dissatisfied with plans that he said would reduce homelessness numbers by 2%. He says newly revised proposals aim for a 15% reduction statewide by 2025. No money without a plan. Plans with numeric goals, real strategies, compelling relationships that need to be formed city and county and regionally. Since taking office, Newsom's approved more than $20 billion for housing and homelessness and to respond to the state's more than 170,000 unhoused people. State Republicans said an audit of the funding and a new approach is needed. I don't believe that this really makes a dent in, in that crisis and in the need uh, for, for what we really need in our state. We are not getting the results that we are seeking to get by just spending money. Uh, and, and so I would like the governor to get more serious about where that money is going. Governor Newsom will continue his state tour in the Bay Area tomorrow where he'll talk about public safety. And then Saturday in L.A. about health care and Sunday in San Diego about mental health care reform. As it relates to homelessness, he's demanding accountability. We will see how local municipalities deliver that right. and what the barometer is. Yeah, that's going to be the key to all this. All right, Greg, thank you. And as Greg just reported... So it struck me that the tiny houses they showed, uh, like, 
it, little inside of one of them that, that looked like a fucking prison cell <laughs> like you know what actually it was funny we were talking about the san quentin story right and you had this one queued up and the first image was newsom you know touring the the thing with the military guy right the national guardsman yeah and i thought it was actually a frozen clip from the end of the prehistory about san quentin <laughs> Like these are the new cells we can create for the inmates to make them feel, you know, more comfortable or more, more, you know, soothing for them. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly it. It, you know, tiny homes are what they are, right? They are interim housing. They are not intended to be in any sort of permanent space for someone. They're not intended to be the most glamorous space for someone. They're intended to be a space with a roof. That's pretty much the at the at basics, right? And if we're kind of squishy, apparently still about just finding space where people can just pitch their fucking tent and have their shit and be safe and clean, right? If we're squishy about that, then this is the next best thing is giving them us, you know, at least a, some sort of space, right? That, uh, that has a roof that has water that they can, you know, get their stuff into. They can even cook in, um, and gets them on a path, right? This is not the final destination at all. And it shouldn't be, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of the path. So anyway, We'll, yeah, you have to be seen if this actually. I, I, we saw Mayor Zuck, we saw, or Mayor Tech Bro, Mayor Peter Thiel, um, who's standing right beside, beside Newsom in that story, uh, probably because San Jose was getting 200 of these jobbies. And this is his big thing. He's like, let's build more more shelter faster and get more people in there, right? Um, if it was up to him, he'd take the you know fairgrounds or some large site in North San Jose or uh, in the wasteland somewhere, build a bunch of barracks, you know, pick up all the homeless our homeless friends and just drive them up there and drop them off and you know let them fend for themselves right uh with a couple guards <laughs> posted on duty right um that's what they that's what he'd do if he had his druthers but this is the next best thing is building a bunch of these things but the thing is you got to get the people to buy into it especially in his neighborhoods down you know your neck of the woods almaden right where they may not be all that excited about yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is like okay there have been 200 of these allocated to san jose now now the fight is on about where they're going yeah, I mean, and eventually they're going to end up uh, in places where a lot of the other ones end up, like downtown and places where the neighbor, you know, where there's need for sure. Like, obviously, you, you see quite a bit of our, our unhoused population in and around downtown Guadalupe River and that area. Um, but they're, you know, folks are unhoused throughout our community and the need is throughout our community. But those areas also have less political clout sometimes and less money, less affluence. So they're less heard. So the, the resistance is less, right? Or maybe they're less informed. Um, whereas in your neck of the woods, you know, one neighbor gets a bug up their butt and emails all the other neighbors or goes on next door about it, right? And suddenly 200 people show up at a community meeting saying, no homeless in my neighborhood, yeah, 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 right? Um, so, and then council members either, you know, have, have, uh, have huevos and move forward and do what's right or they succumb to the NIMBYs and they, they you know, they, they shout right along with them. And try to make make uh, make political points that way. So, so, the thing, so the thing you had said about the bear, the the fairgrounds and the barracks, I actually think like that's a good idea. <laughs> like you know, because that's a like permanent public housing, not these little like things you can just tow away, right? Or if you build something, it's there forever, or well, not I mean, forever, but it's more permanent. Now, I don't like yeah. the idea of putting it all the way out at the fairgrounds or whatever, but if that's where the yeah. land is, you know, that's no, where the, the idea land is. The idea is a lot of these things, but like a shit ton of these things, basically, right? Like just like temporary in interim housing, but more like a concentration camp than anything else. Not not like legit housing. There are uh, 
projects all over town that are happening in some stage or, or could be happening with right financing, nonprofit developers, the city are doing them that are like, you know, public housing, basically it's all public subsidized housing and they're op- Some of them are open doing really well. Some of them are challenging uh, to manage are proving challenging to manage, but they're out there and there's examples of them. It's just that your community and your neighborhood has to accept them, right? Otherwise um, uh, it creates political challenges for getting it done. It shouldn't, the, the, the impetus should just be do what's right, right? And the majority of people agree. Um, I don't think that, uh, I think most people would be okay with, with these kind of things, even in their own neighborhood. It's just that you have a vocal body out there that votes, right? They vote. The folks that don't care or maybe don't, aren't, are, are excited about it, they don't necessarily vote as much, right? And that's, that's it, why are we here? And on down ballot, we want to make sure that we'll go vote, get engaged, you know, have a voice. It's, it's the only way that, we can't be apathetic. They're the only way we actually get the change. We have an opportunity to get the change. It's right there. You know, the vote is right there for us. It's, it's given to us by our white slave owning, you know, predecessors. Let's use it. That's my, my soapbox for today. Yeah. I don't, I don't like this temporary housing shit, but it, I guess it's better than nothing. Whatever. Something is better than that, but it only with, only with adequate wraparound services and services to make sure that folks are, they're temporarily right that they're not stuck in the cycle again or they're not kicked out of this in temporary housing and they're back on the street again right like somewhere they have somewhere to go they're developing career skills or they're getting job placement um and they're getting housing placement right and we're building more we're building like what you're talking about more you know traditional housing for folks public housing that's high quality and we can do it we've we've done it i can we can i can actually send examples out to the the chat of, of quality high quality public subsidized housing that looks great like that you or I would want to would be totally fine living in and calling home. Well, that's the, that would be the point of public housing is that it's literally for the public that correct, that it doesn't actually that you, it's not like, you know, good public housing in, in Europe, just regular people, like just people just, that's just one of the places they look at if they're looking for a flat or whatever. Yes. They yeah. look at like and council, what are they in the UK council flats? I think they're called or whatever. It's yeah. like owned owned by the, owned by the locality or partially owned by the locality. And that's just one of the places that some people fucking live because they're like, Oh, this is a great apartment. Oh, okay. I'll Absolutely. take this. Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of, I mean, we need housing for not just folks who are unhoused right now, but people who are at risk of becoming unhoused because they're being priced out like teachers and service employees and other, you know, bus drivers, you name it, right? There's so many people out there that are on the cusp. They're, they're full-time workers. They're making a salary, but they don't have the money that it takes to afford the rents here. Right. So we need housing for them too. Or just, just young people, Mm -hmm. young people who are just getting out of college. If they don't want to even deal with like a bunch of crap, they can just be like, well, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll go to this apartment complex for now and figure out what we're doing. I mean, there's any number of reasons you know, uh, you're selling your house and you, you know, a couple months you want to go, like, there's just a million things where people of all different classes would benefit from a robust public housing system, even, even fairly wealthy people. Like if there's just a, you know, a situation where you selling your house, it might be nice to have a, an apartment to live in for a couple months while you, while you deal with all the associated stuff. I mean, I, I could think of a, a, like just, you just moved here. You just got a job. The job pays real well, but <clears throat> you just moved here and you, you have to go do your work. So that maybe now you're not really worried about your housing situation because you're in this, you know, you got hooked up with this public housing situation. Maybe you only stay for three months, but that's good for you. <clears throat> so that's the pretty much the end of the docket, but we do have in another thing. And this is a human interest story. Apparently, I don't know anything about this story, but it looks like some customers of a 
apparently a popular food truck in Oakland helped them uh, get back into business after uh, maybe they fell on some hard times. Let's see what happened here. It's not just coffee. It's a good morning. It's all in the name. Coffee and toast. My favorite item is um, the strawberry, blueberry, peanut butter toast. This Oakland food truck that aims to help customers start their day on the right foot has instead been parked since last month after it was broken into and stripped of nearly everything inside. It happened just nine months after Tiffany Stewart got things up and running. I, I fell down and cried because um, I think that people don't realize when you rob or you burglarize um, a coffee truck or a food truck or whatever, you're not, you're not taken from a big corporation, you're taken from a mother, you're taken from a father. You take in from a community member. She tells us the truck was targeted overnight while it was parked in a church parking lot. The thieves not only stole the generator and security cameras, but also destroyed the plumbing and electrical systems. Stewart says the damages will cost her at least $5,000 and those costs grow every day. She's not in business. Now customers and strangers are rallying behind her to get the truck back on the road. She's a black woman, a mother, um, and it brought a lot of us together. I would, you know, meet people at the at the cart, so it, it does mean a lot to us. Kendra Edwards is part of nearly 100 supporters who have raised more than $4,000 through a GoFundMe to help with repairs. But Edwards says their efforts go beyond a good cup of coffee. So to see somebody lead their own business, start it up, build it, physically build it out, you know, from scratch, it's, yeah, it is important to see that kind of representation. Representation and determination, Stuart hopes she can continue to serve up once her business is back in gear. And I hope that this, this sparks something in, in all of us to, to make sure that the things that we want to reflect our community that we fight for, you know, and that means safety, that means accountability. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. When they said the damage amount, I was expecting it to be like fifty grand. Mm, yeah, so at least it's a it's not that bad, but um, and good on the community for stepping up and helping out um, a food truck. I, I was thinking the other day, there's a place down the street, not a food truck, but a, a restaurant down the street from our house. And it's been like, it's one of those places it has been five different restaurants in five years, right? Like everything that goes in there fails. And, you know, I, I could sit there wondering, walking by every time, like, why, why is it failing? Or when is this one going to fail? And I've never been in there. <laughs> you know, like, like maybe if I maybe actually like took some time and, and went there instead of one of our just usual haunts, right? And tried it out and maybe we like it. I mean, we don't, but at least if we went there and other people had that same mentality, it would still be you know, one of these places would take off. It just takes the community coming together. So to keep these places alive. And that's why it's important to pay attention to gentrification. That's why it's important to frequent your local uh, businesses. Make sure you're shopping local as much as possible. It's hard obviously not to give your money to corporations, but as much as you can give back to businesses in the community um, because without them, you know, it's really not worth living in an area, right? It's not worth living somewhere if you can't go to that place or that person or that uh, business that um, just makes you feel at home, gives you some comfort. Yeah. Like one of the things about this area is a lot of chains, right? Like where I live. And so, there's a, there's a couple spots that I, I like to go to that are, aren't chains. And, uh, one of them, one of them is a pretty cool bento box spot, but you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's harder. Like where I was, where I was before they, the city just wouldn't let chains onto, onto Campbell Avenue. They're like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, Oops, what thing. permit? 
but like right. here, you know, you got the mall. The mall's going to let any whoever's got the money in. Yeah, the the business association in Campbell is very strong. They they look out for their own. So and they look out for the character of their community too. So good for them. Um, they have to. That's why people go there. Hell yeah. Well, people go to this truck for coffee and toast, obviously. So if you like coffee and you like toast, go to coffee and toast. That's our endorsement for the week. And what they were saying is like that one lady was like, oh, you know, I've met people in line and stuff. That's what's kind of cool about like food yeah. truck culture is yeah. you end up, you know, you have to, you're going to maybe you're going to stand there before, you know, you don't want to get in your car and like eat in your car or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you might hang around the food truck and kind of chop it up with the people in your neighborhood. And that's what's cool totally. about food truck culture. Totally. Totally. Oh, I meant this is all getting me really hungry. So I got to go and grab some lunch. Yep. You want to read the show out? <laughs> Hell yeah, my friend. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, another episode of down ballot. Keep downloading and keep forwarding this on to friends. Make sure that they download it and they find us on all their podcatchers because it only works if we keep growing our network here. Um, and obviously keep watching on Twitch, keep giving us money on Patreon and every, everywhere else you can go to the support page on our website to find out all about that. And uh, if you're still out there and you're unvaccinated, please get vaxxed, um, wear a mask when appropriate. Pants are completely optional depending on where you are, right? Um, and I just hope you have a great week, weekend. This is Audible Smoke. Have a great Friday night. Peace out. <laughs> My phone goes to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car. Smoke another one, and another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want, and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want, what we want to do we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight. It's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychic.
fucking delicacy. Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me, and outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rollie, all the sexy girl be jockin' me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come say that he like jamming and hope he like jamming too. Well, I gotta say, thank you, Bob. We do, yes, I gotta say, thank you, Bob. We do. Well, Bob Marley said that he like jamming and he hope he like jamming too. Well, I gotta say, thank you, Bob. We do, yes, I gotta say, thank you, Bob. We do. is live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch. Shows start at 7 or 9 p.m. Pacific. You can get our whole schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Make sure to follow us, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Enjoy the show. <laughs>